Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. My name's David. I am a sexaholic. Um, and uh, I came in uh, to SA on uh, the night of August 2nd, uh, uh, 1988. And I had called... Um, SA hotline earlier that day when a therapist uh, in Nashville, Tennessee gave me a phone number and um, and I went to my someone called me back fairly soon, Steve B. And I went to my first meeting that night. And uh, as was just stated, uh, this is so incredible. Um, Part of my story is that when I did come into my first meeting in Nashville, we had six meetings a week. And that was the most per capita in the world. Um, and uh, and it may, I don't know how many LA, uh, Simi Valley area had at that time, but it may have been the most in the world, period, um, on a weekly basis. Uh, and now to literally, I remember in about 1995 or 94, when I was serving on the Central Office Oversight Committee, uh, sending a letter off to India. Uh, to a loner who was the only uh, known sexaholic that we knew about in India, and we corresponded just once. Um, I have no idea what happened, but just to have people on this call from India, uh, to say nothing of the Middle East, to say nothing of Europe, to say nothing of the United States or anywhere else where people are sitting right now. Um, Oh, and I guess I should check, is my audio okay? So anybody, okay. Um, and, um, I was asked, you know, Luke asked me what topic I would want and, and it's, um, practicing these principles in all our affairs has been, um, sort of the focus. Um, I was told early on by my uh, sponsor that I should always know what step I'm working on. And, and most commonly it's step 11. I, I work some very piece of all 12 every day and yet step 11 is the one i'm probably most conscious of sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with god as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out and and that just kind of rolls through my head along with the third step prayer um all the time a lot of things roll through my head and um and also practicing these principles in all our affairs uh, is a reminder that um, that the affairs keep changing, and I don't mean sexual. I, I know it's tempting to jump into the word. Um, the affairs keep changing. The events of life and, and whatever uh, God wants to have happen that day, uh, well, you know, it's different things. We all are human beings. We all live uh, lives. And, and some of it's expected and some of it's unexpected. And some of it's... Uh, uh, just very humdrum and boring and every day, and some of it's very dramatic uh, in whatever direction it goes. And, and that's just life. And the trick uh, for me has been to practice these principles in all my affairs and, and to uh, grow into that steadily over the years. 
uh, only because that's the only option in this program. I remember early on uh, someone talking about trying to just sort of coast along for a while and and it was pointed out to me by, I can't remember who said it, but I remember the conversation that we only have the option of going forward. Um, we don't have the option of staying s stable because we start to go backwards. And, uh, and then I had enough experiences early on in the program to um, realize that it was definitely just a description, not a threat, um, that if we go back out, we'll pick up where we left off. We won't pick up where we started. <laughs> and, and I've watched that happen many, many times. And, and uh, I, sometimes people think I'm being kind of unkind when I say it. Um, but uh, if someone uh, tells me they've decided to do more research, they've decided to go back to acting out, um, what I uh, say to them is better you than me. Um, and yet it's just gratitude. Um, I'm, I'm quite capable of trashing everything that's happened for the last 31 and three quarter years. Um, and either I'm sober today or I'm not. That's what it what comes down to every day. And so far I've been willing to make that choice since August 2nd, 1988. And, uh, the, uh, Two uh, people, uh, Harvey and Jean, who founded SA in uh, Nashville, uh, when they came in, <clears throat> one of the things Harvey, uh, Jean used to compliment Harvey on this, justifiably, uh, that Harvey could remember a uh, hundred people who had come and left SA in the in the years, um, three or four years. It wasn't very long at that point. Um, that had been. Uh, come to meetings for a while and then had vanished and he remembered all their names and as we were going around introducing ourselves today I, I was thinking gee I wonder if I could remember all the names that are on this the 38 nine people right now all the people that are on this call the answer is no uh, although some of you I know and have you know interacted with very pleasurably over the years so um, and then the other um, thing is, I, I was about 15 years sober, and it was in Denver, I know that much, because uh, it was so dramatic. Uh, an experience for me, I was reading the big book, a big book one day, and, um, and there on page 103 were those italics that um, were read just a few minutes ago. Um, and actually, uh, it starts off right before that, uh, someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. And it's exactly the same for sexaholics. Um, the Sexaholics Anonymous can sort of help to a better realization of the gravity of the lust problem. But we will be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Uh, lusters will not stand for it. And then it goes on and says the italics that were read. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles, or in our case, lust, was only a symbol. We have, besides, we've stopped fighting anybody or anything we have to. The thing that was so stunning about that to me <laughs> is that I, I'd read the big, big book. Uh, as I said, I was about 15 years sober, so uh, probably takes nine months. So I probably read it over 20 times in that time. Uh, all the way, cover to cover, and then start over. And um, 
and I had never seen those italics. <laughs> uh, I decided New York uh, Central Office A, Central Office had changed uh, the, the text in the time. Of course, that wasn't true. What was true is that um, I was ready to read it. And practicing these principles in all of my affairs has so often been just being willing to read, uh, willing to pay attention to what's um, uh, presented to me that day or what I'm there to learn that day or what I'm there to be reminded of that day. Um, all of those happen. And um, and the context for that, and, and this isn't the only principle that have, uh, I try to practice in all my affairs, but it's the one that grabbed me that day and hasn't left my consciousness since. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. And uh, one of the things that really grabbed me about it that day was, first of all, uh, it's so absolute. Uh, we've stopped fighting anybody or anything. Um, and I have, it took a few years after that, but I finally realized that um, my primary way of, way of fighting um, anybody or anything is to have opinions. Um, and and I often think the opinions are really important, uh, self-righteous <laughs> even, uh, that my opinion is the best thing. And of course, once I say it out loud, I can hear that that's just my self-centeredness at work. Big surprise, David. And, um, and that uh, stop fighting anybody or anything uh, means that, um, that that's one of the things I get to surrender on a daily basis is my right to have opinions doesn't mean I don't have opinions. It doesn't mean that I don't have viewpoints on things. It's holding on to that right to have an opinion that causes the, the tension. And, and I just can't handle tension. I wish maybe I could handle more. Uh, I don't know about that. What I do know is that I can't handle the tension of fighting. And then those three words at the uh, end of that reading, we have to. Um, there's just no uh, ambiguity about that. And I do like the statements, you know, the, the thing you don't know, I'm going to tell you, the thing about the AA Big Book that attracts me, and to us, mostly the degree our white book too, and recovery continues especially, uh, is that it's just a compilation of stuff that worked. Um, and that's why being built on the foundation of AA, for SA to be built on the foundation of AA has been so important to me. Uh, because it's all stuff that works. I don't have to debate in my, I can, I do debate. I won't pretend I'm perfect that way, but I don't have to debate whether it'll work or not. I just have to be willing to do it. Um, and if I do it, it'll work. And, um, or if it's sometimes things are in the book that said, well, if you do this, it's not going to work. And I also am a big fan of that. Um, if, if something's not going to work, I'm glad to, then I've proven it in my own life. I'm glad to, um, I'll share that with other people to the extent I can anyway. Um, and uh, so we have to, uh, is just one of the things that works. Um, that is really tough. I was talking with someone this morning about ego deflation and depth. Uh, my uh, sponsor, Harvey, drilled that into me early on. And, um, <clears throat> and none of us like it, as it says on page 25 uh, in the big book. At the same time, it's what it takes, and it, we've seen it work in others. And, and this whole program, one of the, so in addition to not having opinions and cease fighting anything or anybody, another principle of the program is that um, I try to seek and do God's will on a daily basis. That's, that's the proper use of the will. And, and when I'm doing that, things will go just 
just fine. And my task every day is to uh, sort of go back to that, get David out of the center of the picture. I'm just, I love the Bozo cartoon that was the background uh, for one of you. Um, and um, get David out of the center of the picture and just, uh, I've had people say, well, I, I don't want to be a Bozo. I want to be something else. Um, and I understand the logic of that. I'm happy to be a bozo. It's the best I can do on most days. Um, and then, um, and then to just practice, you know, to go along and see what the day is, which doesn't mean that I compromise my values. In fact, learning how to live by my principles says it was compromising my principles and sort of trashing them that uh, sort of brought me into this program. And I have, let me just say something. I just realized as we were checking in today um, around the screen, and I was being so aware of the power of this program uh, globally. Um, I have said for years, I came in at age 42, and, um, and I was doing the math, and I actually came in at age 41. Now, so 32 years ago or 31 years ago, I got my math wrong, and I've been perpetuating it ever since. And uh, so I can correct that. At the same time, it's just a reminder how these um, images will get going in my head, like I was 42 years old, and um, and I was wrong, and and that's just one of the things that it, it's really silly. It's not not that it's a big deal. It's just a reminder that I get things wrong on a daily basis. That's not the problem. Uh, the problem is my admitting it. Continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong. Promptly admitted it. I forgot my dog might join us on the call here. Um, and then the uh, reading uh, uh, in the vision for you. Still, you may say, I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. And what has um, humbled me over the years is the uh, connections that people have through identification. Uh, one alcoholic with another alcoholic, one sexaholic with another sexaholic how those connections reach out, and as this Zoom call shows, around the globe. Um, and then that next sentence, God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. And that's what I have to go back to, and it's it, I, my contention, uh, because it's my experience, is that everything in this 12-step recovery process, and it's one of the many reasons that I hold on to it as tightly as I can anyway, um, everything in 12-step recovery is geared toward building that relationship with a higher power, building a relationship with God. And I didn't necessarily see it or experience it that way um, when I came in at age 41. Um, I um, was full of fear that I wouldn't be able to stop acting out. I was acting out on a constant basis. Um, I never forget, um, on the, so far I haven't anyway, on the second or third day, I think it was the third day that I had been going come to SA, I was just driving along a street in Nashville and came up to a traffic light and there was a car in front of me. And there was a woman in the car and I was triggering myself strongly over her hair. And that was the first time I realized consciously how constantly I was lusting. It was a very trivial thing. Uh, and yet it was, it was uh, just really hit me as it should, it was appropriate, like a ton of bricks, um, that um, that I was seeking those lust hits constantly, and 
And that's um, how I had structured my entire life. And when I began to realize that, then I started paying attention to it. And and things, other things I was looking at even that day as I was driving along and um, and how I would, you know, fantasize about assignations or meeting somebody or acting out history or what euphoric recall, all that crap. Um, and I was panicky that I wouldn't be able to give that up, which is appropriate. Uh, that's what powerlessness means. Um, and then I slowly began to realize the we of the program. We came to believe. We made a decision. We, um, you know, all the steps begin with we, and that's not a, that's not a grammatical accident. <laughs> that's a description. And, um, and I began to trust that over time. And then our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. Uh, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And that's just been my experience um, <clears throat> that there's something new. My voice is getting out. I'm sorry here. Um, let me <clears throat> take some of my favorite drug, coffee. Um, the, um, the constant experience of, of something being revealed every day and asking what I can do to be useful for the man or woman who is still sick. Um, and, and if I keep that orientation, uh, I'm fine because every day is an adventure. Um, I was taught and then it took me a long time to actually incorporate it into myself that if I start the day by saying, God, whatever you want to have happened in my life today is fine by me. Um, then every day becomes an adventure. It's kind of like, oh, okay, what are today's adventures? And um, and some days, as I was saying earlier, just sort of humdrum, and some are exciting, and and some are exciting positive, and some exciting negative. It really doesn't matter. Um, what does matter is that I just am sort of in a constant state of awe, quite frankly, um, of wondering what's going to happen next. And unless I'm taken by surprise, um, and if something takes me by surprise, like I wasn't expecting it, uh, I tell people this. Um, the first response to any new idea is negative. And a new idea, it's probably healthy, by the way, a new idea is something I wasn't thinking about right before. Um, so if it's a new idea and I have a negative response, that's, that's self-protective. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the important thing for me is to remember that uh, even after having said this to other people for so two and a half or three decades, uh, it doesn't change my response at all. It's just a human response. And and my big thing is to stick around and wait and see, okay, what am I supposed to get out of this? Or what can I learn? Or what's my role? Or how can I be helpful? Or any of those things. And And when I do that, suddenly the whole day, well, not suddenly, the whole day just continues as hopefully it was before that moment. Uh, to roll on and just be whatever it is that God wants to have happen at that time. Um, has my life developed in interesting ways that I didn't anticipate? Totally. Um, I knew by age four that fantasy life and and um, and being just sort of entranced by uh, what I later came to understand were sexual thoughts and 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 behaviors. Um, that from age four on, those were, and I'm 74 now, I, I do know that age. And um, so for 70 years, I've, I've been caught up in this um, pattern that was started when I was 
sometime before age four, because uh, by age four is when I can date it um, and remember events. So what has happened um, over the last uh, 31 and three quarter years uh, is that I've slowly allowed my uh, this program to rewire and all of you to rewire my brain and uh, and these readings and and the uh, practicing these principles in all our affairs and it just slowly there goes my timer slowly um, has changed me and um, and my biggest uh, thing is to remember that it's a constant adventure and I just need to keep going forward and that you're all there with me trudging along on that road of happy destiny and that's my 20 minutes so I'll stop thanks thank you much David that was that was awesome um, we'll open the floor I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.